But you know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. These are the words I want you to understand and learn this summer. Let's go stocks, bonds, asset allocation, funds, expense ratio, volatility, and index versus active management. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. How do you take advantage of some downtime this summer? Well, you scroll your fingers over to your retirement and or your investing accounts and you do a little summer mid-year investing checkup. So you just heard from our guest, Amanda Holden, aka Dumpster Doggy, creator of the investing course called Invested Development. She just gave you a little homework for this summer. So diving deep into those words will really help you demystify all of that crazy investing jargon so you can start to just really understand what you're invested in, how much you're paying for those investments, and how risky those investments are. Once you've got that info in hand, you can decide if you want to make any changes for the rest of the year. So one of Amanda's best tips, I think, in our conversation is 
this idea of making investing easy so you don't need to think about it a lot. And if all of this investing talk is just causing your brain to (laughs) freeze up a little bit, get this, Amanda is offering every single person listening a free investing 101 course to help you navigate it all. So stay tuned for more info on that. So here we go. This is one of the best investing episodes we've ever done. So you are in for a treat. Let's start talking. I love anytime I get to chat with you. Those that are listening right now can't visually see this, but somehow we managed to dress alike today. So (laughs) we must be, you know, we must be in like a really good place for this episode. And I was, I was thinking about our conversation. I looked over how many articles talked about this idea of doing a mid-year check-in on your investments. And it was something around like, 595 million articles, which is crazy. But I think practically speaking, you know, how often are we actually doing one of these check-ins? Like how often are we actually looking at our money and seeing what works, what doesn't work? So I thought, okay, July can be a little bit of a boring month. It's actually my birthday month. So maybe not boring for me, but for other people, it can feel a little like, you know, kind of mid-year. So I was thinking, you know, it's this good time to really check in on our investments, but you're the expert here. Help us frame this. Is this idea of doing a mid-year check-in on your investments, like, is this a good idea? Well, first of all, and most importantly, happy birthday month, Shauna. Thank you. (laughs) You know how I feel about July? I feel like, how could it already be July? That's that's what I find rude and disrespectful is that it it is already July. And how funny that you looked at how many articles there are about doing a mid-year check-in on your investments. The thing that came straight to my brain was I wonder how many of those articles are really just affiliate articles looking to sell you into some sort of investing product. Uh, I'm guessing that's why it maybe seems so important on the internet is because We're always trying to get, we're always being sold into something or another. That being said, should we be doing a mid-year check-in? Yes. And while we are looking at performance specifically, so whether or not we are making or losing money, for me, what this is really about is this is about understanding exactly how we are invested. This is a part of a broader educational process. This is about steeping in this information as if our financial lives depend on understanding it because they do. That's what this this is all about. All right. So I've got a lot of like how-to questions and we're going to try to navigate this episode where we're not like too much in the weeds, but we might have to get a we might have to get a little bit in the weeds. So hopefully everyone listening, you know, you'll be able to to follow along, you know, stop this podcast if it's getting a little heady for you, kind of come back to it. But I want to ask the question that probably is on everyone's mind. It's, it's you know, what's going on in the market? You know, should we be prepared for anything coming up kind of the rest of this year? Well, let's start with the first question. What is going on in the market this year? So I think it's pretty safe to say that most people would say that this year, the vibes have been off. The vibes are off this year. But what's interesting is that if we are specifically talking about the investment markets, that's not actually the case. The investment markets are having a pretty bang up year so far, having a pretty great year. But I think it's important to talk about why it feels this way. 
Why does it feel like everything is bad? And really, this boils down to the difference between the economy and the stock market. Yes. The stock market is a part of the economy, but they are two different beasts. The stock market is literally just that. It is just a marketplace for stocks, which are these shares of company ownership. Some people own stocks, some people do not. And when we talk about what the stock market is doing, we're literally only talking about whether the value of those particular investments are growing or shrinking. Now consider the economy. The economy is so much bigger and frankly, so much more important than the stock market. The economy is people. The economy is everything. So it's your paycheck. It's how much you pay for rent. It's a disability check. It's what you had for dinner last night, what you had for dinner the night before, right? That nacho cheese chalupa or whatever it was. This is all part of the economy. And so the economy is essentially everything, including the stock market. And so what we're hearing about right now is a lot of struggle in the economy. And if you actually look at the numbers, what we're seeing is a mixed bag. Some economic indicators, some numbers look good and some look bad. But nobody's feeling really great right now because of inflation, right? Everything getting more expensive all around us, which is an economic matter. And so what we're seeing happening is that while the economy is not doing great, but not doing terribly either. It's sending mixed signals, right? Sending more mixed signals than that person you're talking to on the dating app. That's what the economy is doing right now. Whereas the stock market and most investment markets are actually slowly growing in size. They're slowly creeping upwards. And so that's really our first big lesson here is that the stock market is often detached from the economy and moves ahead of or moves faster than the economy. Therefore, it is a terrible idea to wait to invest until things feel good economically or before things feel better all around you. This is a surefire way to ensure that you get the timing wrong. And so I, I know that that was, that was a I went down a side street there. I veered us off to talk about the economy versus the stock market. So let's veer back to Wall Street specifically. So when we're talking about investment performance, especially as it pertains to, let's say, just like the average person that's probably listening to this podcast, we're talking about three major investment markets. We're talking about the U.S. stock market, the international stock market, and bonds. These are the three major investment categories. And so let's talk about the performance of each. U.S. stocks up so far this year. You're going to be hearing this a little bit later, so things can change. But we're in the double digits at about 13% right now for U.S. stocks. Specifically, developed international stocks are up just shy of 10, so about 8 9% right now. Bonds are positive for the year at about 1% to 2% so far this year. And so all major investment markets and also crypto markets, specifically Bitcoin, are also up as well. Real estate markets up as well. And so the investment markets are, in fact, growing, again, even though the vibes are off in the economy. You teach a lot of people about investing. And I'm just curious, like, do you get this kind of feedback from your students, too, that, um, you know, they pay attention maybe to the headlines of the economy and like we all we hear is inflation and the stock market is 
you know, kind of in the in the shitter and and all of these things are are um, off. And maybe that can make me feel like my investments are probably doing the same sort of thing. Maybe I don't even want to look at my investments. I don't want to see what's going on. Like, do you do you hear a lot of kind of those same comments echoed that that they really feel like, okay, my investments are probably doing whatever the economy is doing. Of course. And part of that is a lack of understanding what it is we're invested in. And a big part of that is how we consume information about our investment strategies. Because if we are consuming information about our own personal investing strategies through the headlines, Yes, of course, what we're going to get is the angle that is going to be the scariest, right? Because all news is meant to be in some form entertainment. What goes viral on social media is whatever going to be as scariest, right? It, if it bleeds, it leads. That's the, old, the kind of the idea behind news as a business. Right. The idea with social media, the idea with the news is to get you hanging on through the commercial break. And are you going to hang on through the commercial break or are you going to keep scrolling if everything is hunky dory? No. And so especially with the stock market, which is inherently volatile. And by that, I mean, one day could be up, one day could be down. But if you look at the long arc of history, what you see is that it's up a whole lot more than it is down. But if every third day is down, then it's going to seem like doom and gloom. And we are definitely living in this period of real doomerism. And this does happen from time to time. And it's no wonder last year, 2022, was actually a bad year. So I should say, let me clarify that this year, so year to date, YTD, year to date, we are up, but last year we were down. We closed out the years down in almost all investment markets. So US stocks were down almost 20%, international stocks down 16, bonds had their worst year ever, down negative 13%. And so if you are looking at your performance in your, let's say, 401k or other investment account, and you're like, wait a minute, lady, you're saying that the markets are up, but I started investing last year and I am still down. You're actually correct. We are still coming out of a rough 2022. And so you're not imagining things by any means, but we do want to look as objectively as possible at the performance of our portfolios as we compare that to what's happening in the broader markets, which we can we can talk about relative performance because relative performance is absolutely the name of the game. but but I think that you bring up something so important in that let's be careful to not get swept away by whatever the headlines say, because it's not necessarily going to be your strongest source of understanding what exactly is going on and specifically whether or not that's normal. So I, I loved your word doomerism. I think we need to, uh, we need to trademark that word. <laughs> uh, it's so very true, though, I think so specifically when it comes to investing. And that's why I think it's like, really important to understand and, and to do these mid-year check-ins and to understand what you're invested in. So you know, if somebody's listening right now and they're like, okay, all right, Shauna, Amanda, I'm motivated. I want to check out my, my 401k, my IRA, my Roth, whatever it might be. But this is the first time I'm actually really looking at my account and really looking for um, you know, some of the things we're going to talk about. So to that person, you know, what are they actually looking 
for? Because, you know, we open this up and there are all sorts of numbers there. You know, sometimes there's arrows up, down, you know, there's red, uh, there's green and, you know, depending on, depending on your, uh, you know, provider. So, uh, you know, what are we actually looking for? What's important to pay attention to? Sure. And I am guessing that if you're listening to Shauna on everyone's talking money, then you have some idea of how, for example, and I'm just going to say 401k, but let's say any sort of investment account. I'm assuming that you understand how your 401k is being invested, but just in case there's a listener that may be totally new to this, I think we should start from the, the very top. The core investments. So the investments inside of pretty much any investment account, including your 401k, 403b, Roth IRA, so on, the core investment units are stocks and bonds. Now, almost everyone who I ask this question gets this question wrong because they think that it is the 401k that is generating a rate of return, or they think that it is the funds that are generating a rate of return. And you're not totally wrong. Your 401k is an account that holds investments. I like to describe it as as your caboodles that holds your treasures, right? Your caboodles (laughs) is your hot pink and teal double-decker treasure storage unit. That's the 401k. The treasures you hold inside, so your Dr. Pepper lip smackers, your Lisa Frank stickers, those are the investments. Those are what generates you a rate of return. Now, funds is pretty close because a fund is going to be an investment, but really it's a bundle of a whole bunch of stocks or a whole bunch of bonds. And so again, that core investment unit is either a stock or is a bond. And so the first thing that we have to do is understand what is our mix of investments, stocks versus bonds. Your hot tip, especially if you're looking at a workplace retirement account, is to look for the words equities and fixed income. They're probably described as equities and fixed income. Equity is stocks, fixed income is bonds. And so that's going to be our first step is figuring out how are we actually invested because we can't understand whether or not our performance is good or bad without understanding first what it is that we are invested in. And so the first step is to understand, again, what it is you're going to be invested in. And so that's step one. Here's another way to describe it. Your performance will be driven or affected by these three factors. So first, the one I just described, What investments do you own? Do you own stocks? Do you own bonds? Again, these are your core investment units. Two, how much are you paying to access these markets? So in this case, or at least for most of us, that's going to be the fees that are embedded into the funds we invest in. It's called an expense ratio. And so your performance is going to be affected if you pay a 1% fee on your fund versus if you pay a 0.01% fee on your fund. So second, second factor that's going to performance, excuse me, the second factor that is going to drive your performance is whether or not there are fees and how high those fees are. Third, are you or your funds utilizing active management or indexing, also known as passive management? Because the, the first one, the former active management more often than not creates drag in a strategy. It erodes away at your performance, which is something that I think a lot of people don't realize is that trying to pick the best investments 
usually ends you up on the wrong side of that trade and ends up creating, again, drag or lowering the overall performance of your strategy. And so those are three pretty big topics. And this is also why, you know, Shauna, at the beginning of this, this podcast, you said this might get a little bit technical. And what I always teach people very last is understanding how to measure performance, because again, you can't really do it if you don't understand how you're investing. So this is very much an advanced topic. And so let me reiterate what Shauna said, which was, if this is already flying over your head, no worries. It's because it's it's not a beginner topic. It is actually a slightly more advanced topic. Okay, you mentioned a really key word in there, strategy. And I feel like that's like the dun dun dun, like the, you know, the crystal ball question because you know, I think no matter you know, I'll talk about some of my friends that I have that will come to me and say, "Okay, here's my 401k like menu of options to invest in at my company." And I still have no idea what I'm picking. I just kind of pick whatever or I kind of leave whatever I have in there. So if we're talking about this idea of strategy, how do we even come up with what a strategy should be for us? Sure. So let me first say something reassuring, which is it seems so complicated and there is a learning curve up top to understand this new micro language that you're learning. But the great news about investing is that once it's all set up, it can be and should be breathtakingly easy. And so, yes. And so what I always tell my students is like, for me, budgeting is hard. Budgeting requires weekly or monthly work and it never quits. Whereas with investing, you've got to put in that, that, that investment in your knowledge up front, but once you understand it, it's it's I, it, you'll have a total aha moment, and it's quite easy. And so, what you've just asked me, how do you determine a strategy, is something that would, in general, take me probably between five and ten hours to teach somebody. <laughs> because to understand your investing strategy, you have to understand what it is that we're investing in, which is a, unfortunately not something that you can learn in a TikTok. But let's. Let's try. So back to those core investment units, stocks and bonds, making a decision of the mix between the two is actually going to be the primary decision you make when you're building an investment strategy. It will drive this decision, this should I invest in stocks or not? Should I invest in stocks and bonds? And if so, which combination? This is actually going to be the thing that drives the majority of your returns. And, you know, to go, to go back to the discussion of, you know, consuming investment news as entertainment, you know, maybe you're catching a few minutes of Squawk Box, dad's like cable news programming where there's a bunch of bald guys yelling at each other about their stock picks and oil prices. I mean, there's literally a show called Squawk Box, which is... Horrifying. I mean, like Squawk Box, <laughs> nightmare. And they would lead you to believe that it's the decision of choosing this stock versus this stock, Microsoft versus Apple. That's going to be the most important dis- investing decision you're going to make. And I'm not saying it's not important, but what is significantly more important is: Are you even investing at all? 
Are you buying into the stock market? Are you buying funds that invest you in stocks? And that's going to be the primary driver of your returns over time. This idea, I don't like to use jargon, but asset allocation is important. Just break down the words. How much of my own money am I allocating to the major asset types? Asset types is just another way to say investment types. And so this is going to be our first and primary decision that we're making. In general, stocks are high, give the potential for higher return, but they are higher risk. Risk comes in two forms. Those two forms are up and downs in the short term. We call that volatility. And there are no guarantees in the long term, right? But risk and reward is a spectrum. It is a continuum. And bonds exist at the other side of the continuum where it's lower risk, but lower reward. And so, Shauna, did we already do this one where I compare it to my dating life? (laughs) No, we haven't, but let's do it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So I know that not everybody lives in a a prison of heterosexuality like I do, but I do date men. So let's let's consider these two different men as my investing options. So first is a guy named Steve. Steve is a very nice guy. He is an accountant. He tucks his t-shirt into his jeans, but he he thinks that Nickelback is hard rock, right? He's like going to be there when you get home on a work night, but he's going to make you watch like a really boring Ken Burns baseball documentary, right? Like, you know, this guy, like super reliable, but like not exactly, you know, sailing around the Mediterranean and taking ecstasy. He's not turning the hairs (laughs) on your, on your arm up. Yeah. Yeah. That's right, Shauna, right? Like, yeah, you're you're not leaving footprints on the wall every night, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Steve. No offense. We I mean, but Steve is good for some scenarios, right? And we'll come back to this idea. But you compare Steve to my second guy. Guy number 2, his name actually does happen to be Guy. Now, Guy is the lead singer of an up-and-coming band. This band could turn out to be the next Smash Mouth, but it could also turn out to be the next Rolling Stones. You know that dating him is a roller coaster. You might have to hawk some t-shirts out of the side of his airbrush tour van, but but at the end of the day, you could also be riding your albino tiger around your Miami beach courtyard while you light your Newport Slims with $100 bills, right? With guy number one, with Steve, there is really limited upside but a lot more reliable, not as, as, as much of a roller coaster. With guy number two, it is very much a roller coaster, but there is significantly more upside. And this is the difference between bonds and stocks. And the idea behind having both of them in your portfolio is kind of like the idea of playing the field. Nobody's telling me I have to get married to either one of these guys. I keep them both around because sometimes guy number one is good. And sometimes guy number two is good in different scenarios, right? Bonds really act as a psychological cushion when the stock market is misbehaving, but stocks give us a lot more potential for growth. And over longer periods, like 10 years, 15, 20, 30 years is even better. Stocks have outperformed bonds by quite a bit, but you have to be on this ride if you want those higher returns. And so this is why I often get this question of what is the best investment? And there are plenty of Finfluencers uh, that would be happy to tell you what they believe is the best investment. But the reality is risk and reward are two sides of the same coin. You don't get to have one without the other. And so 
when we're making an approximation of how much stocks versus bonds we want to keep in our strategy, it's going to be based on your risk tolerance, which essentially means your comfort level in dealing with stock market volatility. And so therefore, there is no best investment because not everybody can take the same amount of risk, right? Like a single mom that's working three jobs and doesn't have any emergency money cannot take the same types of risks as some tech bro with a half a million dollar salary every year who can take a lot more risk. And so that's what we're trying to do when we're building a strategy is we're trying to puzzle piece together these two ideas. First, over the long term, what are the long term patterns of the different investment types? Stocks and bonds primarily is what we're talking about here. We're looking at those long-term patterns to try to decide whether or not we want to participate in those patterns. So basically, we look at what happens over the long term, and then we take what it is that we want to accomplish with our money, our goals, our flair for risk, our investing timeline, and we try to puzzle piece those two ideas together. Now, for many folks who are probably listening to this podcast. So I'm assuming it's a lot of folks who are still working, not yet retired. Therefore, they have a long investing time horizon. By the way, retirement is not some drop dead date. We are investing money to live off of when we're 90 and 95 years old. And so many people have a much longer investing time horizon than they even think that they do. And right now they're working, the money they invest is not money that they will need. So potentially they can take a little bit more risk, right? Put that money into the vault, the lockbox that is the Roth IRA, the 401k, whatever it is, and not worry too much about that short-term volatility. And so therefore, for somebody that's still working, still has an income, it is generally recommended that you invest more of your strategy in stocks you have the time to make the stock market work for you. Investments, broad investments in the stock market actually get less risky the longer you hold them. And so you do more stocks, less bonds. And so where exactly you fall on the more versus less really depends on your comfort level with the stock market. For somebody like me, I'm almost all stocks. I'm like 95% stocks, 5% bonds. But I am extremely comfortable with the stock market. Maybe you are somebody that is the same age as me, has the same investing timeline, but you aren't as comfortable. And so maybe you start with something more like a 70-30, so 70% stocks, 30% bonds. For most folks in their 20s, 30s, 40s, maybe even early 50s, a general default mix of stocks and bonds would be something kind of like a 90-10, 90% stocks, 10% bonds. But again, know thyself. If the stock market is something that you are skeptical of, if you don't like seeing the bouncing around of those numbers in your portfolio, then honor that and get in on the shallow end and do more bonds to begin with. And as you gain comfort with the stock market, you can always rearrange that some. But for now, start with what you're comfortable with, because the most important thing is that whatever you choose, you stick to it. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? 
If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, 
doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. I love what you're talking about here because it comes back to what I love to talk about, and that's our relationship with money and thinking about investing from the strategy because it can be very confusing. And there are a lot of, you know, TikTok influencers out there. There are a lot of articles. There are a lot of podcasts about it. You know, something that I always try to approach is to really help everyone listening understand that, you know, yes, there is technically a you know, a set way to invest, if you will. But there's a lot of movement within that. And a lot of it comes back to, again, you're saying, know thyself, know, you know, know my goals, know what I'm trying to achieve, know when I'm thinking about maybe I want to retire, knowing how risky I want to be and how risky I don't want to be. And really starting from that place of knowing yourself, to me, I think is the best place to figure out then a strategy for yourself. But I think, I don't know, I'm curious what your thoughts about this are. I think when it comes to money, we overlook that piece of really understanding our relationship with money and really even understanding how we feel about it and what we actually want. So then we get lost in all of the confusion of what choice should I make? What should I do? What is what is Amanda doing? Should I do what Amanda's doing? Should I do what Sean is doing? I don't know. You know, and it then it just becomes a place where we just get locked in indecision and don't really do anything. Of course. Yeah. The indecision can be really crippling because it is, even though the, the act of building a strategy, once you understand can be very uncomplicated, the terminology is quite complicated and everyone you talk to is going to color their perspective with their own opinion of money. You know, so like a really glaring example of this is before 2022, we were in this incredibly long bull market, good market cycle. And when the markets are good, everybody thinks they're a genius. And also nobody ever thinks that it's going to go back down, which it does. If we look at the long-term patterns of the stock market, that's literally what it does. It will be up for five to 10 years, and then it will take an exhale for a year or two. There is nothing that is more regular than the cycles of the stock market, and yet we always forget. And so at the end of the last bull market cycle, 
What I was often hearing people say is that you need to be investing all of your money, including your emergency money. And and to be honest, a lot of this was coming from Twitter and Reddit finance bros or wannabe finance bros. But you don't hear them saying that anymore after we have a year in the markets that are down 20%. And so a lot of what we hear as being a good or a bad choice is based off of what is happening to somebody right now, today, this month, this year, which is actually what we want to avoid considering when we are developing our investment strategy. What we are actually trying to do is not base that decision based off of our own emotions as to what's happening right now. But the nuanced version of that is the version you're talking about, Shauna, which is just in general, how comfortable am I with this concept? And if I'm not comfortable, I should honor that. But also maybe I should consider more education because anybody can become comfortable with this or at least more comfortable with the appropriate education. And risk tolerance is a great example of this. Like even just think like, How funny is it that you go, for example, to use an automated investing service, which uh, we call them a robo-advisor, which can be really great and helpful in getting started. I am pro-robo-advising if if somebody feels like they need some hand-holding. But one of the very first questions you will get asked is, what is your risk tolerance? And for the investor who doesn't know what we're talking about, how are you supposed to answer that question? Like, I don't know, medium, medium, large, like, what are we even talking about here? And so that's when I when I bring my students through the educational journey, I'm going to start by talking about what are the investments? What is your potential for return? What are the risks? So then you can make a decision whether or not you want to participate in it, right? Like, are we talking about bungee jumping? Are we talking about walking alone at night? Like, what are we actually talking about? And then I will tell you if I will tolerate it. And so it's a little bit backwards that we don't start with the actual education. And I think a big piece of this is because the less educated you are, the more vulnerable you are to manipulation, to buying a product that you don't need, to, well, I should... (laughs) This is a little bit harsh, but so much of the investment management industry dines out on our lack of financial literacy. And so that's the other big piece of it. Yeah, that is a huge piece of it. And, you know, that's why I I love you. I love what you do. You know, you primarily teach women who, I mean, let's just face it, but, you know, we can look back in history. It's not too long ago that we couldn't get credit cards. Uh, you know, that our that our lack of financial literacy was insane. You know, we weren't being talked to, we weren't being represented. We, we still obviously have ripples of that in a very big way, but people like yourself are doing a lot to, to really change that. And, you know, I would imagine that this makes you, I would think, probably really happy you're leaving this great legacy of helping so many people get started on this investing journey and, you know, provide for themselves options in life. We know that you know, the more money we have, the more options we have in life. And that doesn't mean that you have to be wealthy in order to get started down this path. And if you look at any of the probably charts and graphs that you talk about with your students, you know, the earlier you start, the less you start with, the bigger that number can become. It's just a matter of math and time kind of down the line. But, you know, from, from a personal perspective, you, what gets you excited to, to teach people about investing? Well, thank you, 
Shauna, first of all. And for for all of Shauna's listeners, something that you should probably know is that behind the scenes, Shauna is so supportive of the work that I do. And one of the core tenets to my business model is accessibility and making sure that this information is available to the people that are left out of these conversations. It's why I started doing this. It's why I started my business. And you have always been somebody that behind the scenes without fanfare is making sure that I have spots available to give away for free to scholarship students in all of my most important workshops and courses. And so thank you. I am so appreciative of you and you supporting my mission. And for all the listeners, Sean is one of the good ones. So just know that. Uh, yes, of course. And we're all in it together and, and making sure that this not just information, but good information makes it to the people who want it and the people who need it. And And it is really special. It's so special to get a DM from one of my students and they say, hey, I just invested my first $100,000. I made it. Or, you know, I opened my first account. I wouldn't have done that without you. Um, You're changing my life. You're changing my family's life. It's, It's truly the thing that keeps me going because the honest truth of the matter is like I... I could give two shits in a Roth IRA about the actual mechanics of investing. What I am interested in is how do we use money as a tool to live the best life possible? Um, How do we use money as a tool to give you more options, to be able to walk away from work that you don't want to be doing, to be able to move if you want to move, to be able to live a life that is free? And financial freedom is going to be an essential component to being able to walk away from work or at least work that, um, you know, work that doesn't satisfy us. And so, so it's, it, that is, that is truly the thing that keeps me going. And I I appreciate you seeing me and my work. And, And one of the things that I'm, I'm proudest of is that I've been able to do it on my terms and also while maintaining an ethical code in the work that I do, which can be difficult, right? Like, you know, I've, I've alluded to this now a couple of times, because I think about it all the, all all the time, you know, the, the, the things that would make me or my business go viral are the types of behaviors on social media that are, are not only unethical, they're, they're literally illegal. And, you know, making promises about wealth, giving specific recommendations, bragging about my own wealth. These are these are the types of things that really get you noticed. And so I've been able to maintain my business, again, with my, my core ethics, which are making sure this information is accessible. It's why I started this business. And then also doing so um, and teaching this, this, this information while maintaining an ethical code. Okay, listen, like many of you out there, I love Notion, our sponsor today, and I honestly use it every day for my notes and journaling. I also track our family expenses, and I manage all of our household to-dos. Notion has been such a lifesaver in helping me get a lot more organized because that's not one of my strengths without stressing me out. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but getting inspired. Notion is the AI-powered workspace that can summarize things like meeting notes and automatically generate action items 
and help you get answers to questions in seconds. It will honestly blow your mind. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, you're a freelancer, you're starting a startup, or you're a student juggling classes and clubs, or you're somebody like myself that just really wants to get organized. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash etm, and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you are supporting our show, notion.com slash etm. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book. Listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into The Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to The Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. And that's so important. I mean, it really is. I, I just, uh, I mean, I feel so much a part of, of what you do is, you know, is so much my core and, you know, just really wanting to help people. And sometimes I, I, I spend time thinking about Okay, so I talk about, you know, this piece of money and I talk about relationship with money, but why does this matter? Why does this matter? You know, and it it comes back to what you're talking about is this idea of a life well lived. And I think if anyone listening, you know, forget if you if you are in the weeds and you 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 don't even want to bother checking in on your investments, I think a great like summer project is thinking about this idea of what is a life well lived and what does that look like? And then how can we take our money, our investing, whatever it might be and and bring it kind of around that vision that you have for your life. And I mean, otherwise I feel like, you know, why do why do anything if if we're not going to, you know, align things and get them moving in the direction? And you talked about, 
the fact that we can come up with an investing strategy and it can be easy. And I love that because I think we're kind of sold something different, that it needs to be hard, that it needs to be challenging. So I've got a little bit of like, maybe a little bit of a, I don't know, a little bit of a a technical question, but you know, I've had this asked by listeners before who are trying to figure out how much of my paycheck should I be investing? Is there any like good rules of thumb around that? Sure. Let's talk about it. I, can I speak really quickly to your first point about how investing can be easy? Because I feel like we're burying the lead a little bit because I'm talking broadly about understanding stocks versus bonds, but a really easy way. Okay. So then the question is, okay, so how do I actually do that? Like, how do I actually do that? And a really easy way is to buy funds. So a fund again is a big old basket, a big old bundle of some other investment type. And so remember our three major markets. So you could literally buy like one low cost index fund. That just means it invests you across all of some market. So one low cost index fund that invests you in the US stock market, that's probably going to be the primary piece of your strategy. And then one low cost index fund that invests you in the developed international stock market, and then one for the bond markets. And so this really super simple three fund, specifically three index fund strategy is the choice strategy of most experts. And a lot of folks think that it's maybe like some dumbed down investing strategy that we're serving up to you because we think you are a beginner. And just to give you a quick anecdote, this is the strategy that Charles Schwab uses, as in the guy, as the in guy. The, the guy that started the bank that is trying to sell you into a bunch of other investment products that you do not need that have higher fees. He is using a super simple index fund strategy to build out the bulk of their, that word, that S word, the bulk of their strategy. And so you can do that whether you're doing it on your own. For example, let's say you're opening up a Roth IRA at Charles Schwab or Fidelity or Vanguard, wherever, low-cost brokerage bank is fine. You buy those funds yourself. Or you can look for those funds to represent those categories within the workplace plan that you're being provided. And so the paths are a little bit different, right? With 401ks, they are providing you a list of investing options. And so your your goal is to find the best investing options to represent the strategy that you want to enact. When you're doing it on your own, you got to find those funds yourself. Um, my, my trick to that to narrowing down the wide investing universe is start by looking at the funds that are offered by the bank. Every bank now offers their own version of an S&P 500 index fund, which would be a great choice for your US stock market allocation. And so if you're at Vanguard, use the Vanguard version. If you're you're at Charles Schwab, use the Charles Schwab version. If you're at Fidelity, use the Fidelity version. And hopefully, at the very least, even if that doesn't quite make sense yet. That puts you on a path to understanding the direction you need to go in order to build out that strategy. And so I just wanted to make sure I said that very quickly because I feel like I took things so high level that we didn't even really answer the question that we were a- a- attempting to answer to begin with, which was, how do I, how do I do the strategy thing? And by the way, when we're looking at performance, we always compare the performance of each one of those pieces of our strategy to the markets they're invested in. You're going to compare your US stock market piece to 
the U.S. stock market. You're going to compare your international stock market fund to the international stock market bonds to bonds. And so if you remember what I said earlier about the performance of those different categories this year, so 13% U.S., up 8 9% international, about 1%, 2% for bonds. So if you take a weighted average of those, if you're up somewhere like, I don't know, 8 9 10% for the year, you're on track. I like that. Okay. Okay. On track. So coming back <laughs> to the question you just asked me, um, I'm so sorry to, to backstep like that, but no, that uh, was gold. I mean, okay. that was gold. What you just gave us was gold. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Um, so then the question of what percentage of our income should we be investing? And you kind of nailed it and that I'm not going to give a blanket answer. And this is one of the most frustrating things that I see is that you will see advice out there. You know, a really common one is 10%. Save and invest 10% of your salary. But are we really assuming that every single person listening to this podcast is the same age, right? So not to mention what is their investing strategy? Are they the same age? Are we telling somebody who is 65 and has $0 saved that they need to save 10% of their salary? And we're also telling that to a 21-year-old who already has $20,000 saved and invested, right? It all depends on the situation. Instead, I would think of it like this. Retirement is not an age. It's an amount of money invested and saved. We get to walk away from work when we have enough money to walk away from work. At this point, with pensions gone bye-bye, investing within our 401ks, which is actually investing within the stock market, this is our retirement system. This is currently our retirement system. And so what at what point we want to hit that retirement date is absolutely a product of what percentage of income we save. Right. So if you are somebody that saves zero percent, maybe even only one, two, three, four percent a year, that retirement date is going to be extremely far off, maybe even never, if you don't save and invest for retirement. If you are somebody that saves and invests 60 percent of your income, right? Like I'm thinking of the fire bros, financial independent <laughs> right, retire right. early, right? Yes. Um, who are like basically cosplaying the Oregon Trail so that they don't have to work a day over 30. You know, they're saving 60%, 70% of their income so that they can retire at age 30, right? And so there's probably a middle ground for most of us, hopefully in there. You know, that 10% number, that 10% number is predicated on a lot of things. It is predicated on you beginning to invest the moment you start working and investing every single year that you are working for your 40-year career without taking breaks which we know for women is just not what happens. You know, the average woman takes or spends five to 10 years out of the workforce for caretaking responsibilities, not just kids, but also for ailing family members. That tends to be a responsibility that women take on. And so if you're taking five to 10 years out of the workforce, already that 10% number is probably not going to be enough. That 10% number is also predicated on us investing, on us investing correctly. It is predicated on the markets doing well, which is not necessarily a foregone conclusion. We think that they will. We're really banking on it. But there are a lot of different variables that we have to consider. And so there is no way to say that this percentage works for everyone. 
But I was, and so what I tell my students, and this is, you know, maybe not helpful, but what I tell my students is, you know, save like hell, save and invest like hell, knowing that this is, you know, this is your financial future. In my opinion, it is the single, after your emergency money, after making sure that you right now can sleep at night and you are taken care of, you know, your high interest credit cards are paid off. This is the next most important goal, in my opinion. And so I don't know if that's helpful, that I'm not giving a, a straight answer. And I'm happy to talk through how we can actually each do those calculations individually, if you would find that helpful. No, I, I think what you're, what you're sharing is really important. And it, it comes back to, right, knowing, knowing thyself, picking a number that feels good to you knowing that you can always change that number, you can up that number, you can bring that number back down, and that it isn't necessarily something that's set in stone, but the objective is to just start down that path. I think that is probably the best advice I think you can give. Yeah, I hope so. And it's it's really hard to hold these two ideas at once. And the first is the more I'm going to get the painful one out of the way, which is that most people are not saving and investing enough. We are in a retirement savings crisis, and there are a lot of really good reasons for this, right? So that's the first idea. And then the second idea is that you just, even though the number is so big, you just got to start somewhere. You have to start even with a small amount, right? I know that in saying this, it may be causing you, the listener, to bristle. You might be thinking this woman is so out of touch and I promise you I'm not. I know how hard it is to even save one or two or 10% of your money. I know how hard it is, but we also live in a country that does not care about elder women and with very little social safety net. And women, especially retired women, live in poverty at significantly higher rates than any other demographic in the United States. And so on the one hand, I don't think it's fair. I'm actually a very much a let's burn the system down and build something better type of person. But I also know that right now, the best action we can take while we work on something better systemically is to do what you can right now, because it's certainly better to rock up to retirement with something as opposed to nothing. Whew. All right. Wow. <laughs> this has been, this has been so great. I, you know, I get riled up every time I, I, you know, chat with you about investing and what you were just saying about women. I know the statistics and it still just burns to the core. Um, ever, ever so much more why we need to just keep talking about these conversations. We need to keep talking about these topics. We need to keep inspiring each other. So as we close here, gosh, we've covered so much. So we're, we're back on this idea of, of summer money, kind of check-in, getting revitalized with our investing, with our money. What sort of, I don't know, action steps or words of wisdom or just you know a good rah-rah do you want to leave us with um, to get us motivated to, to take a little action this summer? Yeah, let's start with the rah-rah. Everyone is capable of understanding this stuff. The powers that be want you to think it's way more complicated than it actually is. Now, if your head is swirling, I, I completely understand that because you just listen to two people talk in a language that is essentially foreign to you. 
And so what I want you to do is instead of thinking, I can't handle this, this stuff is, is out of my, it's not, it's not out of your league. We are just talking in a, a new micro language that will take you probably between five and 10 hours to be, be comfortable with. And so most people's next step, most people that I meet, their next step would be understanding exactly what they're invested in, right? You can't make better or worse decisions moving forward if you don't actually first understand what is my current strategy. And so maybe this would help. I'm going to say a few words. And if you want to do some self-research, some self-education, these are the words I want you to understand and learn this summer. I'm also happy to give you resources um, for, for coming and learning this information. But this is your list of words I want you to understand. Let's go stocks, bonds, asset allocation, funds, expense ratio, volatility, and index versus active management. That's your list of words, concepts to research and understand by the end of this summer. And you can totally, totally do it. And in fact, what I would love to do is, Shauna, if this is okay with you, I do have an investing 101 workshop that I do. Normally it's 19 bucks, but let's Let's do it for free for all the podcast listeners. And let's link to it in the show notes if you're okay with that. A free version. And it's two hours of education that are going to get you started on the right path. And so if you want me to teach you, I would be so honored to do that. Um, come let me teach you for free. Watch this 101 um, workshop recording. If you couldn't tell, I totally fangirl <laughs> Amanda. I really just, I love her easy approach to investing. And honestly, the best part is she just makes it fun to learn. The whole like Chad versus guy comparison is such a great way to explain stocks versus bonds and why they're even important. And back to what Amanda offered. She is so generous to offer her Investing 101 workshop. It's normally $19 for free, free, free to anyone listening to this episode. It's two hours of education to get you started on the right path. You would be crazy not to sign up for this workshop. Just head to tinyurl.com slash investing ETM. I will have the link in the show notes so you don't even have to remember that. Just go to the show notes and click over to grab this special offer. You can also follow Amanda on Instagram at dumpster.doggy. And she's on TikTok, she's on YouTube, she's on all the socials. And you can find out about all of her courses and workshops. Her business is called Invested Development. That is her more intensive investing course. But listen, do yourself a favor, go grab that free one-on-one -on -one investing workshop. Even if you're a little bit more advanced, I went through this workshop and I learned so much myself. So I think it is just such an amazing, amazing workshop for you to take, especially this summer, right? You got a little downtime, you're on vacation, why not do a little learning? All right, if you enjoyed this episode, shout it out to everyone. Let's get everybody in the free investing course. Why not, right? I want everyone to really, really have a grasp on investing and be so inspired that you start today or that you get back on track or that you up your contribution, whatever it might be for you. You can head to the show notes for all the links that I mentioned, as well as the link for the free course. I will see you back here in a few days, my friend, for a brand new episode. 
our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.